Game week edition of the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something that you want to listen to regularly, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify. When you get there, rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe. Because if you do subscribe... You won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. And speaking of Mondays, it is the Monday of game week. Tennessee, Virginia is coming right up. And Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern time. That is when we go live on YouTube, the A to Z Sports National YouTube channel. Go subscribe, hit that notification bell there, and then you can come be a part of the show live. Comment, hang out. We love responding to your comments. So go subscribe there and then be a part of the show. It's a ton of fun. At Troll underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports.com. For all the stuff that Zach writes in the social medias, let's get right down to business. Tennessee will face off against the Virginia Cavaliers at noon Eastern time, 11 local time in Nashville, Tennessee uh, on Saturday. Pretty excited about this. Honestly, this whole week, we just we got to get to Thursday. It's a little rainy today. It was overcast all day today. It was a little gloomy. Thursday, no matter what the weather is, it's going to be a beautiful day because it's the first real sort of day of football. You had football over the weekend, but they were kind of joke games. Um, Vandy got pushed by Hawaii. That was fun. <laughs> uh, but other than that, it was pretty uneventful. And... Uh, Florida will be playing Utah on Thursday. Should be a good time. What's up, Zach? How you doing? Man, uh, he said Vanderbilt, and all I can think about is seeing that temporary scoreboard like swaying <laughs> in the wind. And I think they had to take it down uh, the construction site in the behind the end zone at Vanderbilt Stadium. They didn't have very good planning on that uh, those upgrades that they're installing in season, apparently. But that was a pretty wild scene. It looked like. Uh, I know we make jokes about Vanderbilt, but that was a high school stadium type vibe. Uh, I mean, type of stuff that you you just don't see in the SEC usually. I mean, I feel like that's grounds enough to get kicked out of the conference. It's such a joke. I mean, they, they're they so embarrassing, dude. Like, they don't do anything of value for this league except be in Nashville. They are in Nashville, which gives – the chance for everything in the SEC to be based in Nashville, SEC media days, the the SEC basketball tournament, you know, you can do a lot of stuff in Nashville. Nashville's a fun town. I was born there. I love it. My family lives there. It's great. But other than that, I mean, they are just the worst. It's, I can't stand it. And yeah, I mean, you look at that game, they get pushed by Hawaii. Hawaii is not a good football team. They come back. Then uh, the only reason that they win by a touchdown was uh, Hawaii turned the ball over on their final possession as they were marching to tie the game. It was a real shame. I was very sad. Uh, but, I, oh, the, this is a good point from Greg German here. He says they raised the conference GPA. All right, fine. You got us there. But, but they, they, besides that, uh, 
yeah, they don't do much. But anyway, this isn't a Nash or a uh, Vandy bashing podcast. Uh, well, well, in a way, uh, I guess. <laughs> I do. I, I do. I do like. I do like Clark Lee. I think he's a good coach. It's just. It's just a tough situation eh. to to win. Yeah, that. I mean, yeah. He, he had a he had Tennessee. You know, he had Kirk Herbstreit picking Vandy over Tennessee last year to to get the Commodores bowl eligible. Obviously, it didn't happen. Really? Tennessee put up like fifty six points against Vandy and allowed zero, but. He had some thing. I mean, he knocked off what they knocked off Florida last year. Was it Florida? They, they did. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he he did some things down there. It's not totally hating on the people at Vandy. It's just maybe the whole concept. Yeah, they they did somehow to beat Florida. Of course, Florida was a garbage dump team last year. But uh, yeah, th- fine. I'll give him that from last year. Good for Clark Lee. He's he is not hateable like James Franklin. Uh, yeah. I will say that. But uh, it's a little beside the point. We got a lot of great comments already uh, flowing in here. Mitch says it's football time in Tennessee. Doogie says, "Did we hear about Dobbs? Uh, maybe starting? We are probably going to talk about that a little later in the show, depending on how long everything else goes." But yeah, Josh Dobbs probably going to be the starter for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Jeff says Hurricane is on the way. Uh, he said that he lives in Florida. So Jeff, be safe. That's not great. Um, I heard, uh, heard Florida might have to leave for Utah a little early because of that when they play Thursday. Yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be pretty pretty serious, at least the current prediction. I was actually just looking at it right before we were coming on here. Um, Doogie says, I'm getting up at 7 a.m. on Saturday. Same. It's going to be tough to sleep uh, before that one. JC says, my six-year-old is just pumped for this weekend. Well, JC, consider me in that same boat as your six-year-old. I am super Great excited. time to be a six-year-old. You get to, He got to miss all of the last decade and just gets to come right into some new glory <laughs> years. That's that's the way to do it. Exactly. Oh, what a, what a time. I mean, it was kind of like us as kids. You, you really think about mm-hmm. it. I mean, when I was yeah. – the Tennessee won the national championship when I was nine. Or no, eight. And so, hey – Sometimes you just get lucky like that. Uh, Rain says, let's go Tennessee football. Justin, let's go Vols. Go Vols, baby. Uh, let's get right to it. Obviously, we're going to preview this Virginia game, and we're going to do it right after I tell you about our first great sponsor, Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. What goes better with a Tennessee sports victory than a great whiskey? And I'm talking specifically about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Hog Still Distillery has a Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap. Named after a long forgotten game of chance, Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version of Rattle and Snap. You can see the four-year version right there in the corner of the YouTube video if you're watching. Had both. They're both incredible in cocktails or just neat in a glass. Go get your hands on some in stores across the state of Tennessee, but they're also sold in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. So run! Do not walk and get yourself some Rattle and Snap Tennessee whiskey for those Tennessee Vols victories. They're coming right up. And follow them on Instagram at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. <clears throat> uh, Cuban Missile says it feels like Christmas. Yes, it does. Uh, it's, man, I'm so hyped that we finally made it all the way through. You know, you go through just the absolute doldrums of the offseason we have made it and it is game week and tennessee is playing virginia and let's start here josh heupel had a press conference today and you know he kind of said a lot of the normal josh heupel stuff he's a big uh, a big coach speak guy but i think the main thing that people were interested in that came out of that monday 
media session was the depth chart. And there was a lot of ores on the depth chart. This guy or this guy or this guy or this guy or this guy at a bunch of different positions. But I'll throw it to you quickly, Zach, just at an overview. What uh, what were some of your top of mind thoughts uh, with the depth chart today? I think my first thought probably was similar to what a lot of people thought. Uh, when I saw the depth chart, the center position, obviously your your attention goes there because Cooper Mays sounds like he's probably not going to play against Virginia. Josh Heupel, of course, didn't didn't reveal that information, but talked about feeling really good about the offensive linemen that they have in the depth kind of points towards Cooper not playing, maybe not playing the first couple of games of the season. We'll, we'll just have to see, which means Ollie Lane, going to be stepping up into that position as the starter. The depth chart has, uh, you know, Dane Davis, a tackle listed as, as the backup center, basically, if Cooper's out going into that game. And that's that's concerning. You never know what could happen in the course of a game. If Ali Lane goes down, he's a redshirt senior, so he's got a lot of experience, at least in this offense, being in the last two years. Davis does as well, but, I mean, he played mostly, what, right tackle you know or left tackle last season filling in at various times if he had to so that's that to me was one of my biggest concerns everything else was pretty much what we expected there were there weren't a lot of you know unsettled things that we were kind of wondering about it, it seems like the wide receivers you had square white and dante thornton as the or in the slot which we kind of expected it'll be interesting once the season starts to see how that wide receiver rotation really shakes out and who's on the field at the same time uh, but outside of that, really, that center position is is where my eyes immediately went. Yeah, that one doesn't really scare me against Virginia. We might be, you know, giving things away here by saying this. It, but not having the center with Virginia doesn't scare me too much. But if it goes into the Florida game, that is some serious stuff. Obviously, Cooper was listed at the, as the starter at center. The Ollie Lane behind. And I... Uh, yeah, that's that's tough. I wish there was more depth there because it is such an important position. But again, hopefully we say this so much anytime the offensive line comes up, this offense is kind to the offensive line. It uh, can paper over some shortcomings just because it's not a line that has to stand there and just be an absolute brick wall. And so hopefully that uh, that helps. Other than that, I mean, there the other things on offense that I look at that come up are the rotation of wide receivers with, you know, for the starters, it's squirrel white, it's brew McCoy, it's Ramel Keaton, Caleb Webb behind Ramel Keaton is kind of interesting. Chaz Nimrod behind brew McCoy. And then Dante Thornton and squirrel white are an or there. Uh, and what I do wonder is does Hypel finally dip into a four man rotation? Cause it's really just, we always talk about this with those wide receivers they keep that rotation so tight. It is always just three dudes because you have to. You can't substitute in this offense. It just rolls, and you get what you get with what you have on the field if the offense is running correctly. But I, I do wonder. I mean, you have four dudes. Does it finally become a four-man rotation at wide receiver? I mean, I, I don't know if it'll be a four-man rotation. I'm really interested to see if if Dante Thornton and Squirrel White end up on the field at the same time because I think that's where you could really – reach some havoc. I mean, the whole point with Jalen Hyatt last season was a lot of those switch releases, trying to get him matched up on safety so you can exploit those mismatches. If you've got, you know, if you're splitting everybody out that wide and you've got Thornton and White on the field at the same time, it gives you, I mean, it seems to me at least, and I'm no 
you know, X's and O's guru, and certainly with his offense, don't know it the way Josh Heupel and his coaches do, but it, it would seem like that would make it a lot easier to to generate those mismatches and to get kind of the looks you want because if if White and Thornton both have this elite speed and they're kind of interchangeable in that sense, I know they're very physically very different receivers, but speed-wise they're similar, that seems like it's even more of an advantage for Tennessee's offense. And then it kind of becomes, okay, you playing Brew McCoy more, you playing Romel Keaton over there more. I don't know if that's something that they'll do, but you know, if they stick with the three three man rotation, I don't know. I'm sure it'll probably vary drive to drive. That's what I'm expecting. Uh, you know, kind of whoever's hot maybe that day or whatever seems to be working with the offense. If they get into a rhythm, perhaps that's what we see. But I mean, it's a tough decision for Josh Scheifele. The good thing is you can't really go wrong with any of your choices because Keaton and McCoy. I mean, Kamal hadn't pointed them out uh, this week as you know the two receivers that have been hardest to guard. Uh, in practices so pretty hot compliment from a guy that's been around a little bit and then obviously we know the talent of white and thornton so it's a great problem to have it's just i I don't know i'm excited to see how it shakes out lots of possibilities there yes i i really am uh and beyond that on on offense i think it's going undead that tennessee has a pretty stacked running back room um because obviously Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, I think by the end of the season, Jalen Wright's going to be your dude, if not right at the beginning. I think Jalen Wright, he just yeah. he just has more explosiveness. He's just more that guy overall. Good offseason too. Yeah, I, you heard that a lot. And, uh, you know, Jabari Small, obviously the stalwart veteran there and, and has been at Tennessee for forever. But he, I just, Jalen Wright is higher ceiling. But you also have Cam Selden, Dylan Sampson. You're hearing that Cam Selden's going to be the the kick returner, I believe. Um, uh, and so that's really interesting because you've heard how kind of dynamic he is as an athlete. And actually, on that note, JC in the comments says, why not use D. Williams more than kick returns? Because D. Williams was, uh, was a returner last year. I have kind of wondered that. He's sort of like in a limbo state of sorts. The, he's going to be the punt. He's going to be the punt returner. He still, sure. yeah. Eckler Eckler talked pretty pretty at length about him recently returning punts, and I think they might have even asked D Williams about returning kicks and some of the differences there. But uh, oh, there's it not like it, D- so, yeah. There's not an or on punt returner. It's just D Williams. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it yeah, that's it his. That's pretty much his year. job at this point. Yeah. Well, like, D. I, I think D had some injuries or was banged up. It seemed like at the end of the year was he when he really came on. Obviously, that return in the Vanderbilt game with the. uh the fun celebration that we saw and which he said he's got some new celebrations cooked up for this season. Hopefully we get to see a few of those, uh, but he's definitely going to be the guy back there at the punt returner. So you, uh, you have that set up. I, I would like to see him get there a little bit more, but <clears throat> other than that on defense, this is where I think it gets really interesting because you have question marks, but you have a bunch of depth that you haven't had in past years. Uh, I mean, at uh, at that Leo position, at that kind of would you call it hybrid linebacker edge position, Roman Harrison, James Pierce, Josh Jacobs, jo- Joshua, Josh, what, what do you want to call him there? Uh, Joshua, Caleb, Joshua, uh, yeah. Joshua Jacobs. Yeah, I mean, there, there's already a Josh Jacobs who's pretty. You know, and he went to Alabama, big. didn't he? I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. definitely Joshua. Yeah, we got to stick with that then. And then Caleb Herring. I mean, that's that's a pretty powerful set of dudes right there. If they can all play up to their Potential. Amari Thomas, I think that's Elijah the thing Simmons. with that position. Before we go go f- further with that, at the Leo edge rusher position, 
you have a lot of talent there, but you've got to have a guy like step up and just kind of be that dude. And we talked about this before. It's one of the most important things that needs to happen for this team to win a championship is you've got to have an edge rusher step up and just be dominant. Like a Will Anderson type guy, Nolan Smith type guy that we've seen, you know, for Alabama and Georgia, especially losing Byron Young, who's set to start this season for the Rams. I know they're going with a lot of youth on defense, but starting at edge rusher for any rookie in the NFL is pretty impressive. I mean, it shows you the athleticism and the talent that Byron Young had that Tennessee's having to replace. So one of those guys, I would love it if it's Caleb Perry. And I think he's the guy that kind of has that superstar potential on this roster. Might be a little early to expect him to to step up in that way this season. But one of those guys really just needs to kind of step up and be a, oh, wow, this guy could be a early round draft pick next season. Was I saying Josh Jacobs? I was literally reading it off the sheet of paper. You were. Did I and that? I was going with it. And I was looking right at his name, too. We were both looking at the sheet of paper and saying Jacobs, and it's yeah. Josh Josephs. We, yeah, I must have said it once, yeah. and then we both, it just translates. That's so funny. Uh, I think Josh good. Jacobs was in the news recently. He, uh, he yeah. finally signed a deal, I think, with the Raiders, so maybe that's why. <clears throat> well, Joshua Josephs, and he has flashed. At, at times, I mean, you've seen last season, he he had some moments. And so I'm excited to, to see at that position. But you have Amari Thomas, Elijah Simmons, Croc Garland uh, on the interior. Omar Norman Lott, who you've heard, had a pretty good uh, mm-hmm. pretty good camp. Bryson Eason, David Hobbs. Uh, I think that that was a, a dude who, I mean, was obviously such a huge pickup. I'd be excited if he can get some real playing time. Tyler Barron, I, I mean, you're saying it there in terms of pass rushers he has to have a big season has to has to has to but he's an or with dominic bailey um not sure how how he, he played a lot last season uh <clears throat> how much time they'll split there but uh already great saying in the comments here it's beasley season at linebacker though i mean aaron beasley exploded in that orange ball so excited to see what he can do this year and then keenan peely you're starting middle linebacker there's no or the the kid from uh, from BYU, who's uh, isn't he like twenty five years old? I believe he's <clears throat> yes he's married. Yes, his his first year at Tennessee, but he's been in college football for about ten years. Yeah. Um, and and beyond that, uh, this is where. I mean, Peely Peely played Peely played in that BYU game in twenty nineteen, I believe that that where BYU beat Tennessee and Neyland. So that tells you how long so he's been, he's around. been around that long yeah. yeah uh to have beaten tennessee i mean we uh we said that about gabe judy lolly he had a an interception with vandy he played for vandy and then had an interception against tennessee then went to byu then ended up at tennessee interesting road for both of those guys but regardless at cornerback is where i think it it's interesting kamal Haddon, warren burrell who's coming back from injury thankfully um and then Danico Slaughter, Gabe, Judy, Lolly, all of those are oars. I, I mean, I would assume Haddon and Slaughter are your starters. And I know so many Tennessee fans, you're feeling like ah, Haddon, Haddon's got to get it get it together. I think somebody even said that in, in the comments over here. Yeah, JC says, I really hope Kamal, uh, Kamal Haddon plays better, less jawing this year. Agreed. But I think physically, I mean, he probably is your best guy there. And you just got to roll with it. Um I like the the veteran presence of Gabe Judy Lolly. <clears throat> then uh Tamari McDonald, Jalen McCullough, Wesley Walker for uh for your other defensive back positions, safety. Uh it's like I said, it's a lot more depth 
And it's it's just probably the primary thing that I'm interested to see. The offense is still going to be pretty good, no matter how you slice it, unless Joe Milton implodes is just a complete head case and flies off the rails, which I do not think is going to happen. You're, you're, you're going to have a pretty, pretty good offense. This defense, I feel like it's gotten hype. It's legitimately gotten hype. And that I'm kind of like, really? It was so bad at times last year, but it, it, it had its moments last year also. But that would be a game changer if the defense is as good as, as some people are thinking it might be after this camp. But we'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah, I mean, I think you're getting the hype because one kind of the narrative about this defense all offseason is is that they've kind of come together, they've bought in, whereas the offense kind of had those moments in 2021 going into 2022. Obviously, we heard it from Jalen Hyatt, even from Keaton at times talking about the reasons he didn't transfer after 2021. It seems like the defense is kind of a year later going through that same kind of growth process. You've heard it from Tyler Barron and, and a lot of these defensive players that they know if they buy in, it, it's going to mean good things for their future in the NFL and in football in general. So I think that's part of the reason they got the hype and then the depth that you mentioned. I mean, they haven't brought in a superstar transfer player. I mean, maybe I don't think you really consider Keenan Peely in that vein. It's more about the depth, uh, the depth that they built along the defensive line where, you no, know, you don't have a lot of names that are household names just yet. Hopefully they will be, but you can. You can go line up against some of these tough SEC teams and hopefully still have some juice left late in the fourth quarter because you have these rotations. Linebacker depth was not something that existed at Tennessee a couple of years ago. I mean, Jeremy Banks, I mean, I, you can appreciate the the passion that he played with on the field. I know he brought some some off the field issues along with him, but he was never I mean, that was a that was a running back playing linebacker that never really learned how to play the position uh, as far as coverage. I mean, obviously that was an issue for him a lot of the time. Now you got a guy, you got Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely, two great, you know, linebackers that have talked about Beasley coming on last year, what Peely's done. And he kind of took, came in here, took that job. He, there is no, or he's the undisputed, you know, starter there with Beasley. Then the depth, I mean, Arian Carter looks like a legit superstar, like he could be the next Gerard Mayo coming out of Tennessee. I mean, he's that type of talent, that type of intelligence, and that type of work ethic. And it's Elijah Herring, it's T-Lander. I mean, you've got, got Caleb Perry. You have plenty of depth there with the young guys. And then the secondary, like you said, too. I mean, there's some question marks about who will start, how will Kamal Haddon play, where does this secondary go after last year, uh, you know, Danico Slaughter playing cornerback full time. Finally, does he settle into that role and just really take off? Jalen McCullough is he the guy safety, or do you go to some of that depth? Because sometimes you know there's been questions about his speed back there. You have options back there. You don't have to just stick with okay, this is Warren Burrell here, this is Kamal Haddon or Gabe Judy Lolly, whoever it might be. No, we've got other options here that we can kind of rotate in and see what works. I think that's why the hype's there, and I think it's a legit reason for the hype to be there. I think there's a lot of talent on this team that we saw at times last season and some of those performances against LSU, against Vanderbilt, against Clemson, where they really stepped up and played extremely well. And they had those lapses, the inconsistency. South Carolina game, we know all about that. Parts of the Florida game in the second half especially. If they can all be on the same page and play at that consistent high level, I do think there's reason for hype. I don't think they're going to be like a top 10 defense by any means. I think there's just teams that have more talent and they're more established. But if they can be a, a top 25 defense, I mean, 
watch out. And that's not that crazy. I think they were pretty close to what top 40 in scoring defense last season. It was better, better than you would expect uh, considering what we saw in a couple of those games. Jeff, Jeff doesn't do this often, but he makes a great point here. He said USC's defense also got hyped too. <clears throat> USC's defense last year was flaming garbage. It was worse than Tennessee's. Uh, and yeah, a lot of people were coming in saying, Oh, it's, it's really improved. It's really improved. If you watch them on Saturday night, it was not improved. It was very, very bad. I mean, they played mm-hmm. whatever joke team they played, Fresno State or whatever. I, I'm not sure. Um, but that that does, it just concerns me a little bit because it. I got to see it to believe it. I, I would put it that way with the defense. I'm excited because if it does get better, I, you know, Greg, Greg says it here, we don't need a game-changing defense, just consistency and a step forward. It, exactly. You take a step forward on defense, keep a similar offense and it's all there for you to have, you know, 10, 11 win season, but we'll see. Now, speaking of a 10 to 11 win season, Tennessee plays football on Saturday. That's the depth chart. Um, and we can now actually talk about what's going to happen in this football game with Virginia. We predicted the full season last week, and I guess we can just say up front, we, we both think Tennessee is going to win this game. But how do we think it's actually going to go? I'll throw it to you here, Zach, to start off. In Nashville, Virginia, a, t- a team that took off, I don't remember how much time last season after after that really terrific shooting that they had there um, at UVA. Two or three and games, I, I think. Yeah, it was, it was the very end of the season because I, I remember they, they didn't play the Virginia-Virginia Tech game. <clears throat> it was kind of a big deal. Uh Obviously, the shooting was a huge deal, but it was it was a kind of big deal that they skipped that game because of that. Um, and uh, do do they improve at all over last year? Because even before they ended their season, they were not very good. They lost their quarterback and different things. Uh, what what do you think is going to happen on Saturday? Well, I mean, I think Tennessee is going to win pretty easily i don't know if they'll cover the 28 point spread or not just depends how the second half goes and if tennessee's got a lot of backups in i think this is a game where i know tennessee they like to run the ball i know the narratives about the passing people that watch tennessee know they run the ball a little more and they actually pass the ball and that's kind of what makes the offense work i think this is a game though we're going to see them air it out a little bit Uh, virginia's got a pretty good defensive line they bring back a lot of bring back a lot of experience chico bennett I think probably is not going to play as one of their better pass rushers, but they still have a pretty good defensive line. The secondary, though, they lost their two best cornerbacks. Anthony Johnson uh, went to the New Orleans Saints. Fentrell Cypress uh, transferred to Florida State. So there's two pretty good cornerbacks that you lost. They brought in some guys to transfer from Clemson, transfer from SMU. I don't think the transfer from SMU has played a lot of football, even though they're both older guys. Adjusting to a new scheme, obviously, you know, you're breaking in new cornerbacks. Tony Elliott uh, was on The Nation on WNML this weekend and pointed that out as a concern for him, you know, breaking in new cornerbacks against this uh, this offense of Tennessee's. Good luck. If he's concerned about it, yeah, if he's concerned about it, I'd say there's probably a, a good reason for uh, Virginia fans to be concerned about it. It's not the team you want to break in new cornerbacks against at all. And, you know, I, I think they're going to air it out and, and, and have some success there. I'm, they'll, they'll run the ball just like they always do. But I, just, I think they'll have a, a little more trouble in that area than in the passing game. And offensively, you know, breaking in a new quarterback, his first start, he's come from Monmouth. 
hasn't really played in front of a big crowd before. I think we mentioned it that the biggest crowd he played in front of before is like 21,000. So even though the game is not at Neyland, it's in Nashville, still going to be a lot of Tennessee fans there. You know, triple, at least triple what, what he's played in front of before. That, how do your nerves handle that as a first-time starter for Virginia? Their offensive line has some question marks, too. I don't think they've settled on a offensive line rotation, so they, they're trying to figure that out again. You really don't want to have to figure that out against an SEC team, especially a, an SEC team that has a defensive line with quite a bit of depth. So when you combine that aspect with the secondary issues, and I, I do think Virginia has some decent safeties, but you know we've seen Tennessee exploit safeties from Alabama and LSU and a lot of these premier programs. So I don't I don't think that's a huge concern. You add all that together, it does it is the recipe for a blowout. And obviously, you have to go out there and execute, and you have to walk in there like you're playing Georgia with that type of intensity to to make sure you don't leave any points out there and you don't let Virginia hang around in this game. But if they execute and go in with the right mindset, I mean, it, it should be a blowout. It definitely should be. I I could see this happening. Tennessee comes out slow and just, you know, they kind of get their feet under. You, you just still have Joe Milton in his, in his sort of debut as this being his team. Obviously, he started in the Orange Bowl and played well in the Orange Bowl. And, uh, we all saw that, but... I, I, I could see that. They kind of shake the rust off a little bit. Maybe it's like 10-7 at the end of the first quarter. And then I think the floodgates ultimately open up. I, I just think Virginia's not going to be able to handle them in the, in the trenches. Even though, supposedly from the stuff that I've I've seen and read, just about, you know, tried to listen to some of their guys talk about this, seems like defensive line is a, is a strength of sorts, if they have one. Um, but they I, have a defensive line? <laughs> they do feel the defensive line. That's a strength. They have guys that play defensive line on their team, <laughs> no, but they, they returned a number of guys on the defensive line. And, and so, you know, you, you have guys that have sort of been there, done that in the ACC. They've been there and done that. They haven't done it against Tennessee in a game. That's basically going to be a Tennessee home game. But um, I, I think that it just ultimately Tennessee overwhelms them. Will they cover Ultimately, I, I don't think that Heupel is going to be out to embarrass Virginia in this game. But we do know this about Josh Heupel. He does not care <laughs> about embarrassing you. Or, or even, I don't think he considers it embarrassing you. It seems like his take on that, it, it was sort of like the, the Missouri game last year. He didn't set out to embarrass Dorkowitz in that game. But he did because Missouri just couldn't stop him. And his attitude just sort of was like, well, I put in the backups and I wanted the backups to actually go in and play. I don't want to just like take them in there and and they just run the ball. That doesn't really help anybody. And so, you know, he, he doesn't mind running up that score. I think somebody did say maybe, yeah, Kelly <laughs> said Tennessee by 24 hype takes foot off the gas early be- because of uh, that, that shooting element from last year. Maybe uh, I would say that's not been Heupel's way. And I don't think if he does that, that he's being disrespectful to Virginia. Like I said, he's shown that he's just kind of like, look, I, I put in my backups and you still didn't stop me. What do you want me to do? Like that's sort of been his, but his there's take no, there's no substitute for game reps. And if you put Nico exactly. in this game in in early in the fourth quarter, you know, if it's a, it's a blowout, maybe the third quarter, I don't know. You don't want him in there just handing the ball off. I mean, obviously that's beneficial for him too being out there, seeing the looks that Virginia gives him, reading the defenses, all of that stuff's beneficial. 
but you want him out there running the offense a little bit. You want him having to execute some of these plays and, and seeing if he can do it, getting a feel for it. That way, if he does come into a you know an important situation, yeah, he's not out there like a deer in headlights and it's his first time ever. So I, I don't think it's a running the store up either. I didn't think it was at Missouri last season. I, I didn't think there was anything personal there with that. Maybe some other games that that's a different case, but I mean that's what you have to do as a football coach because it's not a one game season. You got to get your kids better for Florida, for Texas A and M, all these looming games that are coming up. Exactly, and I think if if the opportunity presents itself in this game to put in backups like Nico, I think Hype will absolutely do it. I think he knows that if per se Milton gets hurt in that Florida game, he needs his dude to have reps under his belt if he can. Um, and, but I'm not sure it's going to be that much of a blowout. I mean, yeah, the line is 28 and a half, which is crazy. 28 and a half against an ACC team. <laughs> but, and that's why I say like, well, they cover like 20, 29 points is huge. More than four touchdowns, four touchdowns and at least a field goal. Like, whew, that is blowout city is it's a hundred percent possible. And I think there's even in some sense, it might be likely but I, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about it. Obviously, we will give our, our final score prediction here. But I, I do think there, there's a chance that Virginia scores some because Tennessee's defense, kind of like I, I could see with its offense, maybe a little bit rusty, getting, getting their legs under them. And they have uh, Musket. Tony Musket is their new quarterback. He put up some pretty gaudy numbers. But in, in FCS play, before he transferred to Virginia this year, um, he put up some pretty nice numbers playing against FCS teams is a pretty different animal from playing against SEC dudes in your first game ever at that level. But it, all things considered, I think Virginia could score a little, maybe their defense. I like uh, Greg says here, we will test out our O line and, and running backs in the trenches. If the D line is their quote unquote strength true. And I hope that does happen. Cause I do want to see what like Ollie lane is made of. And then some of those dudes on offensive line, Andre Carrick, 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 however you say it at, uh, at that left guard position, you know, you he was a citizen or wasn't he? It wasn't or, uh, I, I mean, it's good I, to see because he kind of started a little slow, uh, when he first transferred in, which is to be expected. No, no shade at him. I, I always wonder when, when somebody is listed at the top, you know, they're, they're probably going to be the starter. And then, you know, there he has Jack, Jackson Lampley listed behind. Uh, I believe Ollie Lane would be in as needed because he's going to be playing center. But um, and, and maybe they they switch that around and, you know, maybe Tennessee gets up. Dane Davis plays center as it's listed there. They uh, did. I don't know which uh, depth chart you're looking at the, there, but they did go back, I believe, and add Addison Nichols as the backup okay. at right guard. I think that was something they added in after they had released the depth chart. Uh, I guess that was a uh, oversight. Yeah, he's he's not listed on the one that I'm looking at. It, this was from the guy from Rocket Top Insider posted this one. Yeah, it was it was later in the at. afternoon, whenever they um, I guess issued a correction. But yes, yeah, Spragans, Crawford, or Dane Davis at right tackle, although or uh, sorry, Jer, Jer, yeah, Jeremiah Crawford or Dane Davis at right tackle. It was interesting um, they left Nitsy over there as the backup at left tackle on the depth chart. Yeah. I was expecting to see his name at right tackle with with Campbell kind of pretty much just holding that down uh, left tackle. It, I hope that this is not a cakewalk. I don't want it 
to be a cakewalk necessarily because I think those dudes do need to get tested some, but tested like to a point, <laughs> you know, not, not tested to where Tennessee could get beat, but like tested a little bit and, and actually not stretched. tested like the Pittsburgh game last year. That was a little too close for comfort. Yeah. Let's not test it like that. Where are we going to overtime? Please and thank you. But let's let's do uh, get those guys some actually really valuable reps because they're going to need them going into that Florida game. Because because Lord knows like injuries happen. Hopefully Cooper is back at that point from whatever abdominal thing that is happening there. Uh, and and you know I, just let everybody get their get their time in and have a good time. And I think Tennessee will will win this one. Um, what do we have? This is a, a Vandy fan in the in the comments here. Lou Man says Charlie is disrespectful. Yes, I am because Vanderbilt is a joke and they suck and they're terrible and they need to be kicked out of the SEC. Uh, so let's do this. Let's predict who will win this game. I'll throw it to you, Zach. What's your final score for Tennessee, Virginia, and Nashville? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, going to have Tennessee winning. I mean, I think they're going to score some points. I'm not sure how much Virginia can score. I mean, I feel like Virginia's strength would be more on the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball, just with so so many new things coming in with the offensive line and new quarterback. Mm. I'll go Tennessee 42, Virginia 13. I like it. So that would would be covering. 28, yeah. Right at it. Uh, Yeah, that'd be 27. Does okay. Yeah. So you I'd have, I'd have for, yeah, I'd have Virginia. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, twenty eight's a lot. I'll, I'll go forty two thirteen. I'll stick with that. That's a lot, Weird. especially not knowing how the second half with with backups potentially in the game uh, could play out. Exactly. You, you don't like you don't know if they they get some some scores back in garbage time. I'll say, I'll say forty five. I'll give them three more points, and Virginia scores twenty one. I'll say it's a 24-point win, but still, you know, blowout city. Maybe maybe it's like 40 to uh, – or what What would it be? Like 38 to 14, and then they, they take out Joe at the end of the third quarter, and then Virginia gets one back, and maybe Nico scores a touchdown. Yeah, like something something like that. I, I do think we will be sailing by the middle of the third quarter. In this so game, you're, right? you're what'd you have Virginia with 45 or sorry, 21 45 for so Tennessee. 45. Okay. Yeah, 45. And I, uh, Tennessee doesn't cover, although I, I saw a stat today Tennessee is like 10 and three in their last 13 games against the spread, like pretty nice. Yeah, uh, they they covered a lot last year. Uh, I'll say this to everybody in the comments before we get to this, this sort of last quick conversation I wanted. To have for game week, uh, throw in your prediction, and and we'll talk about him. Larry here says fifty-two to ten, Tennessee could absolutely say that happening. I think it was way, way, way back up here, but we had some other people uh, throwing some some predictions. Uh, but yeah, if you want to, just throw them there. We'll talk about your predictions. But we can finish uh, with this because it really. It has a bearing on how this entire season goes, and we're going to finally see sort of where we're at on Saturday. How do you think this season will go for Joe Milton? 
realistically, and, and let's say no injuries. We're just assuming he doesn't get injured, uh, which, you know, please, everybody knock on every piece of wood. No injuries for anyone, not just Joe Milton, but anyone on the team. But let's just assume no injuries. How does his season go, in your opinion, Zach? I think he'll be, I mean, I think he's going to put up big numbers. I don't think he'll have as many rushing yards as Hendon Hooker. He hasn't thrown an interception yet at Tennessee, so there's no reason to think he's going to suddenly be super turnover prone. I don't know if he'll be as secure with the ball as Hooker. You know, we just have to see that over the full length of the season. I think he's in that Heisman discussion, like he gets talked about, but I, I, I don't, I don't think he gets included in it. I think he kind of gets penalized for being Tennessee's quarterback. I just don't. I think Caleb Williams probably puts up bigger numbers. Drake May. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like the first one left out, kind of like Hendon Hooker last season. That's that's kind of how I, I think it'll go. I think you'll have similar numbers as Hooker minus the rushing yards. That's fair. I'll uh, give my opinion on what happens to Joe Milton right after I tell you about our last great sponsor, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau for health, dental, and vision. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ, A to Z. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Support them because they support us. Big thanks to them. So I have flopped all around on how I think this is going to go for Joe Milton because his ceiling is the Heisman. His ceiling is he has the build of Cam Newton and probably more arm strength than Cam Newton. Uh, and then his floor is, I, th I think, what we've seen. He can just overthrow a lot and he can flounder around and he can be a head case and, and just it's just doesn't connect. Now, what have we seen most recently? His performance in the Orange Bowl, it was not perfect, but it was really good. And Tennessee blew Clemson out, essentially. And it was a, a pretty solid performance where he showed that he can make some really nice throws into tight windows. I think how quickly he throws the football lends itself to tight windows sometimes. Um, and, and so it's, it's all there. I obviously, with my prediction... I was pretty high on this team. You'll have to go back to last week's episode. Go find that on A to Z Sports uh, podcast network feed or this YouTube channel, and you can see what my full season prediction was. But I'm pretty high on Tennessee this year. And I think for my prediction to come true, he has to be a Heisman finalist. And that, that's what it was last year with Hooker. He, he had to, play, and he did play at a Heisman finalist level. The only reason he was not a Heisman finalist and potentially even win the Heisman, I actually think if he finishes out the season, he probably does win the Heisman. Even with the loss to South Carolina, I think he, he actually would have ended up winning it. Um, because I think he would have put up like, you know, a thousand yards against Vandy and, and just wrapped it up nicely there. Uh, but I, I don't think Joe Milton will have a Heisman campaign. But I think it's going to be right there. He's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in America. He's potentially going to be the best quarterback in the SEC. It's it's going to be, you know, KJ Jefferson, the kid at LSU. It's, it's going to be competitive for sure. 
I think there's a pretty decent quarterback class coming up, at least for college football standards, maybe not for NFL standards, but for college football standards, pretty nice quarterback class coming up. Obviously, Caleb Williams returning. Um, but I, and you saw it, maybe a uh, kid at Notre Dame, he had a really nice game uh, against Navy. Um, what's his name? Why am I, uh, Sam uh, Hartman. Sam, Sam Hartman. I was thinking Sam Howell. It's not Sam Howell. Sam Hartman. Uh, but I think Joe's going to be right there and he's going to put up huge numbers. He's not going to turn the ball over very much because he, he is yet to throw an interception in his time at Tennessee, which is so crazy. Um, and, and I think he, he leads Tennessee really, really effectively. And I think he plays the entire season. He doesn't get benched for Nico, anything like that. I, I think he, he takes the moment by the horns and actually comes through. Will it be the miracle, you know, national championship season that we're all hoping that it would be, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of feeling that, like, oh, what if Joe's Joe's T. Martin? You know, what if he yeah, swings in after? Yeah, he definitely could be. Because I, the physically, and I can't emphasize that enough. Physically, it is all there and more. If he and if he has a season that's a Heisman finalist season, he will be a first round draft pick in the NFL. Because the physical ceiling there is just crazy. I mean, he, like I said, he is Cam Newton. Not obviously, he has not played to that level yet at the college level, but physically, he's built almost the exact same. And you know the the sky's the limit as far as that goes. So uh, I think he'll have a very good year. Will it be that Heisman campaign? I'll say no, but uh, I think it will be good enough to have the prediction that I had come to fruition, which is a very very good prediction. Would be Tennessee winning the SEC East. So. There, I, I think, is that. Did you have anything else uh, about Joe Milton, about this team that you wanted to bring up, Zach? I guess we could, we could finish with a little talk about Josh Dobbs, but before we do that. Yeah, just just on Joe Milton with, with playing Virginia, I thought it was interesting that Tony Elliott was asked what stood out to him the most about Milton, and the first thing he went to wasn't the arm strength, like most people say, which shows you that Tony Elliott's paying attention, and he should be. You know, they played Tennessee in, what, five days. Uh, he said it was decision-making and his ability to to throw into tight windows. Uh, he specifically pointed out some of those throws that Milton made in the Orange Bowl. He made several of them. The, I think the first touchdown to Brew McCoy, a couple of tough completions over the middle of the field where he really fit the ball through some narrow windows and showed some good decision-making. He said Joe can make all the throws. He can make the long ones, obviously with the arm, and, and the short intermediate throws, crossing routes, all that. So, you know, he's got that in his arsenal. Other people recognize that. It's not just Tennessee fans throwing that out there. There is some respect for, for Joe Milton out there and what he can do from, from the guys who actually coach the game. So I think, you know, there there's belief in Milton. It's not like, okay, he wasn't that great at Michigan. He's not going to be that great at Tennessee now as the full-time starter. There's people out there that believe in him and, and take him as a, you know, serious threat that, that can lead Tennessee to a, a special season. We'll see if it comes to fruition, but sometimes the narrative that gets out there by, you know, other fans, some other sports media doesn't really line up with what the people that actually coach the game, play the game think. I mean, we've seen that with Tennessee's offense all off season. Some of the stuff that people have said, and then you hear stuff from the giants head coach and from some of the players, it's just the exact opposite of that. So it's sometimes it's worth kind of pushing that stuff aside and searching out what, the people that actually matter are saying absolutely and it i think i said this last week it's kind of been interesting like the local guys are a lot more reticent with with milton and the milton hype than the national guys the national guys are like oh my gosh 
he's I mean, like sort of like I've been saying, they're always second coming of Cam Newton. He's just look at how far he can throw the football and blah, 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 like all this stuff. And then the local guys, obviously, we've all watched his entire time at Tennessee, seen all of the snaps that he's taken here. And, and we're kind of like, eh, it's all there. We, we got to see it. He's he's got to he's got to show it. I think that's that's kind of been the take that I've seen the most is just like, I know the abilities in there, but you know, half the games between the years too. And you, and you got to be able to process, think through the game, make the right decisions. Have, like Hinden just had that flow. Hinden hooker had that feel that touch where he just so much of the time made the right decision, whether to run rather pass the particular player to pass it to, to hand off the ball uh, or, or keep it himself. Like, he just really had that feel. Can Milton have have that feel? I think so. And I think that is what will happen. Will that lead to a Heisman campaign? I don't know. Will it lead to a national championship? I don't know. But I do think he has a pretty special season this year. Just me. Yeah, Cody says it here. Ca- cautiously optimistic. That's the life of a Tennessee look, fan right there. Yeah, exactly. And you, <laughs> I mean, Tennessee quarterbacks have been hyped and not really been able to deliver on that hype. I mean, Josh Dobbs was one of the few that was kind of like the backup that came out of kind of nowhere. I mean, you remember when he signed, like, who's this guy? But everybody's pointing to Nate Peterman. Everybody's, you know, pointing to Riley Ferguson at one time before he left the program. There were, there were other options there before you got to to Josh Dobbs. And then you got your Jared Garantanos and then some of these hype guys that didn't really pan out. So, I, I mean, I can understand the hesitation, the wait-and-see mode. I think that's more than fair. Absolutely. We shall see. Noon on Saturday, we'll be there. And specifically, I should have probably been advertising this during the entire show. Myself, Jonathan Crompton of uh, Tennessee quarterback fame, the 2009 quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers. We host a game day show together. Me and him, uh, it will be at halftime right here where you're watching this. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, it'll be at halftime and post game. Crompton, I, I can't say this enough. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of Tennessee media. I, I try to just see what everybody's doing some. Uh, and there's some really good post-game shows out there. My Our friend uh, Boogie Bentley that we were on this past week, he does one. Like, there's a lot. But I will say, if you want analysis of this Josh Heupel offense, there is no one better than Jonathan Crompton. This man obviously was a quarterback at the University of Tennessee, and it's huge, but he also is a head coach of a high school football team and he was the offensive coordinator before and he he ran a sort of approximation of the the Josh Heupel offense with his high school team uh and his breakdowns are absolutely fascinating they are in depth and they are excellent uh and so seriously i obviously i'm super biased as it is my show <laughs> but uh no seriously halftime post game of every single Tennessee football game this season with me and Jonathan Crompton uh, watch that right here where you're, where you're watching this and, and there'll be clips of it too. We're going to pull them out clip them like we do with our show, uh, and look out for all of those. So with that said, uh, maybe just, Oh, a couple more predictions here. We had Tim, Timothy Rogers says 35, 10 Tennessee. So he doesn't think Tennessee is going to cover either. Uh, just like us, Cody says 52, 28, Virginia scores in garbage time. No cover there. Nobody's choosing Tennessee to cover. That means Tennessee is going to win by 45. Yeah. <laughs> That's what oh, that yeah. Means. Uh, and then Greg says Tennessee held Clemson to 14. Tennessee does cover. So Greg is the, I mean, that's I think our one prediction well, uh, that they'll cover. Who do you think? I mean, who do you think is better Virginia or Missouri? Like right now? 
Well, uh, Missouri, they, they're going to have a decent defense this year, I think. I would say so, Missouri. I mean, I mean, they played decent last year at times, too, and yeah. they still gave up, what, 60, 66 points or something like that to Tennessee. So 4, maybe we're points. underselling Tennessee. I don't know. Maybe. I Ultimately, I, I think that the main thing that holds me back still is that we, we did all see in the Orange Bowl. The offense obviously was good, and, and Milton runs it well, but he didn't run it as good as Hooker did. Still. Clemson had some good defensive players still playing. I, they I, did. I don't think Miles Murphy didn't play in that game, but Brian Bercy, they had some other guys yeah. that played they that got ended dudes. up being you know, fairly high draft picks. But I'm that's absolutely true. The 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 primary strength of that Clemson team was its defense, and and Milton put up thirty what thirty four on them. Um, thirty one. Thirty one. It was thirty one. Thirty four. Thirty one. Thirty one. Fourteen. Was that the thirty one fourteen? Oh, that's right. It finished with a field goal. I'm thinking yes. right. It was it was twenty eight yes. thirteen, and then yeah, field goal. That's right. Thirty. Yeah. Anywho, uh, but it it just wasn't as buttery smooth as it was a lot of the time with Hinn and Hooker. Can Can Milton take it to that next level? That's what I want to see in this Virginia game. F- take it up to that level that we saw, and then by the time that Florida game rolls around, I'm going to be predicting a forty point win against Florida in the swamp. Oh please, please. <laughs> is what's going to end up please. happening. Please, especially if they just get stomped by Utah this week. Oof. Oh, and I'm man, I'm excited about that game. Uh yeah. Yeah, Greg says 31-14. Good prediction. Uh do we I'll we'll say this. What do you think happens in that Florida game? It's Thursday night. It's gonna happen before Tennessee or any of these games on Saturday happen. Um Cam Rising probably going to play for Utah. I saw he was listed as the starting quarterback. And then the line went up by four points in Utah's favor because of that. Do you? What do you think happens? Yeah, I mean, if he plays, I think they win by you know double digits, probably. Agreed. If he doesn't play, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I, I'm I'm more like intrigued by that game just to kind of see where Florida's at entering this season and just kind of learning, you know, some information about okay, what what is this quarterback situation going to look like? No more Anthony Richardson. Are they worse? You know, was he covering stuff up for Florida, kind of like Josh Dobbs did for Butch Jones at Tennessee? You know, that that's kind of my angle on that game is just kind of figuring out who Florida is. And and we won't know exactly who they are after just one game. Of course, you won't. But that's you – know, you're playing Utah to, to start the season. That's more intense than playing Virginia. You know, a lot of teams like Georgia playing UT Martin, they can pretty much leave their playbook, you know, in the – locker room and go out there and just try to do whatever they want and win that game. Florida, you know, they don't get that luxury. They're going to have to play their game to go out there and, and to try to win that game. Like, they, they won't be able to hold anything back. So, we'll try to get to see what they're about, and then we can kind of judge from there how that Tennessee-Florida game will go in a few weeks. I I really want to see if Florida can score. It, and just really how Graham Mertz plays. Because, you know, so many people are just clowned on them having to start Graham Mertz. And it always, obviously, as a scarred lifetime Tennessee fan, you know, a crappy Florida quarterback is guaranteed to play like a yeah. Heisman winner I'm, against Tennessee. I'm not talking junk about any Florida uh, quarterback because I know <laughs> yeah. how that goes. We've seen it in person multiple multiple times yeah. so no 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 I'm not I'm not going down that road. I don't I don't think a single one of those Florida quarterbacks over the last 12 years has done anything in the NFL yet they managed to 
you know, looked like all all world players against Tennessee. Every every damn time, that's how it goes. Uh, another prediction. I'm not sure exactly how you say that name, but they said 48 to 10 balls by Fitty. Well, that's actually balls. Well, by that's 38. 38. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Close to 50, but not quite. Uh, although Greg, here, Greg. Oh, Greg. <laughs> Thirty-one to fourteen was not Greg's prediction. He was correcting our what we were saying was the score of the Orange Bowl. Oh yeah, because we said thirty-one thirteen, didn't we? Thirty-one fourteen. We're all around I, it. I literally read Josh Joseph's. Let me just say this: I read Josh Joseph's name earlier with my own two eyes, looking at a sheet of paper, and I said out loud, "Josh Jacobs." And so cosigned on it. <laughs> exactly. So you know, this is who you're Start dealing talking with. About Alabama players and. <laughs> The Raiders and all kinds of stuff that was not relevant. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, they said Felicia. That's how you read that name. Uh, interesting way to spell Felicia there. Um, anywho, uh, that is that is pretty much it. I guess we could mention Josh Dobbs is going to be the starter, but supposedly potentially going to be the he starter. He has to beat out a rookie fifth round pitch. I, I would hope he's going to be the starter. And the Arizona offensive coordinator he worked with in Cleveland at one point, so they know each other. That's why they try. I think they wanted to sign him. I don't know why he re-signed with Cleveland. Maybe, maybe because his boy Cedric Tillman was up there, and he wanted to to go hang out with him a little bit more. And John Kelly. I don't know. That would have been a pretty sweet connection. No lie, Josh Dobbs to to Tillman. But he goes to Arizona. I, I said it when he played in the the de facto playoff game for the Titans. I mean, it was a play in game for the playoffs against the Jags. Um, when he played in that game, if he had a better offensive coordinator, he would have gotten the Titans to the playoffs. Uh, it, it just needs, it needs a boost. It needs somebody who is not a complete moron like Todd Downing calling some plays, um, who actually plays to Josh Dobbs' strengths. And I think he could actually be a pretty, pretty decent quarterback. Is he going to be like a Super Bowl winner? I, I don't know. I, I think he's an absolute genius who's pretty athletic and you know Dude, really Dobbs? has yeah I mean, he's not gonna be a and, super bowl winner in arizona nobody's gonna be a super bowl oh winner. that's true <laughs> nobody nobody will win a super bowl in no. arizona but but could he be find himself an actual starting spot maybe like a little uh ryan, ryan fitzpatrick type of deal hey maybe yeah maybe i mean he, he's sweet. never really had a shot until last season and that was yeah. like you said he wasn't in a a good position for success last season with the Titans. And, and he still did pretty well. Absolutely. Now that's a show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who watched or listened. However you might take in this show, Timothy, Greg, Felicia with the, with the weird uh, name there on YouTube. Uh, let's see. Cody, Larry, uh, even, even Lou man, even though he hates us because he's a Vandy fan. He did watch, obviously, Big Ten Jeff, Jason, everybody, Jordan. Uh, oh, th this was a prediction from Jordan. He said, Virginia covers in garbage time. Win by four scores. Uh, that, yeah, I think we, that's essentially what I, I predicted. But thank you so much for everybody who watched. JC, another, uh, we really appreciate it, Corey. Um, we couldn't do the show without you. Seriously, you're the reason that we're able to do it week in and week out. So uh, seriously, thank you for watching. That has been another show. We will be back uh, next week. But before then, obviously, the Tennessee football game. Myself, Jonathan Crompton, at halftime, at the post game. 
we will hopefully be drinking Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey after that win, having uh, having a few sips there and talking ball with former Tennessee quarterback Jonathan Crompton. So come here to this uh, YouTube page to watch us at halftime and the postgame show, and uh, you will not regret it. But uh, thanks again for watching. I think that's it. We will talk to you all next week. See you guys later.